BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Today, we are fangirling very hard on the show because we're joined by longtime actress and now beauty entrepreneur Peyton List. She starred in Disney's Jessie, Bunked, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, and is the breakout star of Netflix's Cobra Kai, roles that have all culminated in an incredibly loyal fan base of just a casual 19 million followers. After years in the makeup chair, it's no surprise that Peyton has quite a few beauty tricks up her sleeve. And just last week, she launched Play, her new beauty brand that aims to change clean beauty game with vibrant colors, rich textures, and versatile formats. In this episode, Peyton talks growing up on Disney and taking on new roles, her journey as an entrepreneur at just 23 years old, and why it is so important to her to break the mold and make clean beauty a bit more playful. Peyton is giving you guys 10% off Play Beauty, so head to playbeauty.com and use code FRIEND for 10% off your order. Have tons of fun over there. There are such amazing shades. I just had on a beautiful bright blue eyeliner, amazing lip glosses. Can't recommend it enough. I hope you guys love the episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcast and make sure you follow us, rate, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in and have an incredible week ahead, everyone. Here's my friend, Peyton List. How are you, Peyton? What's going on? I'm good. Had a little shoot earlier today and then it's been a pretty chill day. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. You have so much going on right now, so much to share. It's so exciting. And I'm just really grateful that you're here to share it with all of us. Oh, thank you. No, I'm I'm very grateful to be talking to you today and to be on the podcast. I don't do a lot of podcasts, so this will be fun. I'm assuming that this absolutely gorgeous orange eyeshadow that you have on right now is from Play. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it, it is. It's. I'm trying to think of which exact shade it is. It's the terracotta shade. Yep. It's so good. I always find like orange on me looks a little weird, but you pull it off so well. Oh, thank you. No, I actually thought that it looked weird on me too. But then I was working with a makeup artist today, Anna, and she just went to town with it. And I kind of liked it actually, but I do love pinks. I love pinks on the eyes. Do you play around with color? I don't know if you can tell, but I have play like it's like an electric blue eyeliner on right now. I'm far away from you, but I have an what? electric blue eyeliner on. I have lust and found lacquer lip lo- lip gloss on. I'm fully representing oh, and I went yes. for all the color today. Oh my gosh. I love that. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Cause when we talked yesterday, you said you were going to try them. I really enjoy like 
I think beauty is like, it has to be experimental. If you get really rigid with it and you just kind of do the same thing over and over again, you're not really indulging in like what it's meant to be, which is like, not every time are you going to win and it's going to be like the perfect look that you love. But I think trying, you're trying something, putting yourself out there and giving yourself maybe a different look that you wouldn't feel every single day is the greatest thing ever. It's, it's a challenge, but it's fun. I have the same exact philosophy. Whenever I buy an eyeshadow palette, I try to go for the darkest colors on my first night using it. I try to go for the craziest colors in the palette because I just, I like to kind of experiment with it. Usually those are the colors that just get untapped or untouched. So beauty is obviously, it's not a new thing for you, but it is a new venture. But I want to go back to the beginning because I really am excited to get to know you and hear a little bit about your journey that got you to the entrepreneurial journey that you're on today. I know that you have many titles, acting being a main one. And I would love to hear a little bit about your upbringing and what inspired you the most as a kid. What was that moment for you that kind of changed everything? I mean, my mom had modeled when she was around my age that I am now, but she kind of thought that we could start acting because she knew a little bit about the industry. And we had just moved to New York, to Brooklyn. And I was about four years old when we moved to New York. And she sort of was like, I want you guys try this as an after-school activity, as a hobby. And she sat us down at a young age and said, okay, you're going to go to college one day and you're going to save money for college and try it out. And so we did, and we tried it out almost like a sport and we ended up falling in love with it. My twin brother and I both, and I sort of, I really got passionate about it and would just end up studying my lines at school whenever I could. I wanted to get out of school as much as possible and go act. So that was really how it started in New York. And I played the, the younger version of every blonde actress. That was what I was doing most of the time when I first started. And I got like an ABC show in third grade. And that was the moment I remember it becoming not really a hobby anymore. And it kind of became, oh, this could this could possibly be something I I really do. But I hadn't like, and that's such a young age to think about that. But I really did think that way. You were, okay, I saw this on your IMDb. And I, it's really crazy that we're doing this interview now. I saw something borrowed for the first time last week. I don't know. It was like a random, it was like on my Netflix. I was sitting in bed. I was like, okay, I need like something random to watch. And this looks really fun. It was the most chaotic movie I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. That representing, you know, a female friendship. Was so wild. I know. I know. And I guess you did notice that. I don't feel like most people don't notice that that's me in those photos. Yeah, it's you. You're Kate Hudson as a child when they're like going through the montage photos and it's her and Jennifer Goodwin as kids. Yes, because people have brought up that movie to me, like friends of mine and brought that movie up and I don't even mention that I'm in it because I feel like the photo, I had a role in it that ended up just getting cut and ended up just being the photos. But it was fun. Like I got to meet Jennifer and Kate and hang out with them a little bit. And um, so it was just fun to be on that set and hang out. But a very chaotic. Chaotic. I finished it and I was like, I feel like this movie is one of those movies that like you hear people watch all the time. Like it's in the rom-com zeitgeist. It's like, it was in like the top 10 for like rom-coms on Netflix. And I literally am watching it and I'm just like, this is really messy. Like, I don't know if this would fly in like today's world of like female best friendships and like how kind of stereotypical both of them were. But I, at the end of it, I was like, what did I just watch? I completely agree. Like why are we romanticizing stealing our friends? Boyfriends, (laughs) the fiancés. Yeah, I I mean, 
but yeah, I, there's, I mean, even the movie like Bride Wars, remember they were like fighting instead of just attending each other's weddings and being okay with their weddings being on the same day or whatever it was. They were competing. And I feel like there were so many movies where female best friends that were females were competing, which was probably such a bad example of friendship for all of us during that time. We'll be right back after a quick break. For all of my freelancers and creatives out there, here is my favorite new productivity hack. I'd love to introduce you to Magic Mind, the little magical elixir which makes your body hum. They're also sponsoring this episode. Magic Mind is a magical elixir that makes you focus better on your work, be more creative, and drink less coffee. So for anyone looking for coffee alternatives, here's a great start. It's the world's first productivity drink, a mix of 12 functional ingredients, including matcha and nootropics that make you focus and adaptogens that help you fight off stress. Now, I'm a huge morning person. I'm literally that person that jumps out of bed on a full tank. I have my most energy when I wake up, but I notice that a lot of it gets used very quickly and it starts to wean after a few hours. I started Magic Mind a couple weeks ago, and since I've been trying it, I have noticed my energy be way more focused and consistent and calm versus super sporadic in the morning. I'm able to get more done through a longer period of time, and I have more energy than I ever have before. When you have a long intensive work session, use one Magic Mind 15 to 30 minutes before to enter a productive and focused creative working state. It's actually recommended to take consistently for multiple days because after five to seven days of continuous use, the full benefits of all the ingredients like ashwagandha or lion's mane mushrooms will take full effect. If you're like me and need to get a lot of things done in the shortest amount of time, go to magicmind.co backslash friend and use code friend to get 20% off your order. That's magicmind, M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D.co backslash friend and use code friend to get 20% off your order today. Magic Mind is the best choice when it comes to getting more done in less time through the power of the nootropics inside. Now let's get back to the show. So you've been obviously in so many movies. You were on Disney's Jesse. You were on Bunked. Now you're on Cobra Kai, which is super exciting. I feel like it could be really hard to transition from either Disney Channel, acting in your young adulthood, to taking on roles in your adult life. I can imagine that transition being incredible incredibly difficult, paving the way for yourself. I'm sure there's a strategy in mind there. So I would love to hear a little bit about how that's been for you. You know, you're in your young 20s, paving a career as someone who can act later in life instead of just being compartmentalized to more child roles. Yeah, I think people are a lot more accepting of a a Disney kid growing up now and, and moving on and being capable of playing other parts, you know, not just I think a lot of other Disney actors have done it now and, you know, it doesn't need to be proven as much, but yeah, it's, it's still something that I had to come out of. But I remember when I was wrapping up bunked, I was just auditioning like crazy before wrapping it and was just going out for shows and was just, I mean, I, I had been on a show for so long that I had to re-enter the audition world and I had to show them who I was at this age now. And I mean, seeing casting directors, after, you know, what was it, seven years or something? I mean, it's just, it's a whole different, you know, game. And I remember being uh, really nervous to to go into casting rooms again. And I remember messing up my first few auditions. Like I just didn't do what I was capable of. I just was, it was just a weird scene to be in. Even though I had just been starring on a show for so long, it was still intimidating. But yeah, I got that out of my way and then uh, went in for Cobra Kai. And well, right when I was coming off, I was guest starring on this show, Happy Together, that Harry Styles was producing about his life, just like a sitcom about his life. And um, 
so I got that like the day I was rapping bunked and I went into that comedy. And then I was working with one of the actors from Rick and Morty and one of the actors from Mean Girls. And one of the actors from Mean Girls came up to me and he was like, dude, you're funny. You can do this. Like you're, you surprised me. I, I didn't really expect that to be honest. And I, that was like, I said, thanks for your honesty. Yeah. Um, but yeah. also thanks for saying that because, you know, this is like my first week off of Disney and, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of actors along the way have just been like, Hey, good job, dude, keep going. And so I just keep auditioning and keep going. And then I got the script for Cobra Kai and just didn't really think the part was necessarily right for me because she's a pretty tough a female who fights any opportunity she gets. And I didn't really think that was me, but I said, you know what, I'll just, whatever, I'll put on dark eyeliner and I'll just commit and be someone that I've met before. And then I ended up getting it and was pretty shocked, but that was, that's been the best opportunity for me since Disney. And um, I asked the creators sort of why they thought I could do the role. And they were like, well, we wanted we like a challenge and we wanted to take someone who's known as a Disney princess and sort of turn her into something else. We thought that would be exciting. And so they have the same mindset as me, just like they like flipping something on its head and surprising people. That's really refreshing because I can imagine how difficult it was. It must feel like a double-edged sword when that person on set said to you like, hey, great job, you surprised me. It's like, thank you for the compliment, but you're also kind of telling me that you didn't expect much from me. Like you see me stereotyped as a Disney kid. That must've been really tough. Yeah, and, I, and I, I get that all the time. You know, people always tell me, oh, you're not, you're not what I thought you would be or whatever. And at this point, I just don't, that's why I don't have expectations for people too, because I know how I am in my real life. So I don't, I don't try to expect anything from people. I just try to, you know, I, I think I've seen so many people behave one way in the public. And then when I meet them, and I mean, I'm sure you've seen this too, but then you meet them and it's just something completely different. And so, yeah, expectations has been a big thing. You were just talking about auditions a little bit. What was your audition like for Cobra Kai? It was at the ABC. It was on the Disney lot uh, in one of the, in the ABC building. And I went in late. They were looking for their girl for a while. And I was just waiting there with three other girls in the waiting room. And they all looked tough. And I didn't feel exactly that. Um, but I, uh, and they all looked pretty intimidating. And then I went into the room and I don't know what came over me, but I, I you know, sometimes you go into an audition room and it's just like the beauty of self-taping at home now is that you have all the chances in the world to just do it until you love it. But you just go in and you give that one read. And I just completely committed and gave it all the energy in the world. And then they just stopped me after. And they were like, that was phenomenal. That was amazing. And I said, oh, thanks. Okay, great. But then I texted my friend Jacob Bertrand, who I'd worked with before, who was on Cobra Kai. He plays Hawk. And I texted him, oh, I just went in for your show. But, you know, just do what you want with that. Basically. Like I'm not asking you to give me the role. And he ended up telling the creators and then they went and watched the tape and they said, Oh, is she cool? Is, is she difficult to work with? Because I had had that reputation because I was on Disney. People just thought that I'd be difficult. And he said, 
yeah, she sucks. She's horrible. And <laughs> uh, luckily they know that that's a sense of humor. <laughs> and so they ended up being like, okay, we'll go watch your tape. And then they went and watched my tape and they were like, wait, is your friend actually cool? Because we really <laughs> like her. And he said, yeah, yeah, no. He was like, no, she's like one of my best friends. I, I really do love her. I, and he almost lost me the role actually, because he said that. Walking on thin ice over there. That would, that would, I'd be like, our friendship is hanging by a thread right now. Like, thank you. But also don't be so frivolous with my, with my career. Yeah, I know. That's just a sense of humor. It's so interesting to hear you say that they had the automatic assumption of you being a diva or like difficult to work with post Disney. Is that the reputation that a lot of Disney stars get? I guess so. So from what I hear, from what I get, Interesting. But, you know, I think a lot of these kids are, you know, forced to be something that they're not. And then, you know, afterwards, they just, they don't want that ever to happen again. And I think that's why maybe they seem tough. I don't know. But also like a kid having to work, sometimes they don't want to do it. Right. And so I think they just seem difficult. When you and I were talking the other day, I brought up the fact that I loved the Harry Potter reunion. And there was something, I'm like nerding out over this reunion. I think I watched it like three times. But there was something so fascinating that Emma Watson said, which was, you know, being on this set, working as a child actor and being on something long-term like you were with Jesse. There were certain points where she felt like she almost like lost her identity. Like the two were interlapping. And sometimes she couldn't, couldn't decipher between like what was her and what was Hermione. Did you ever feel that way or were you completely yes. in your identity? Yes. Wow. That's crazy that she said that because yeah. that has happened to me so many times. Yes. I wasn't even necessarily into fashion or any of that before uh, Jesse. And once I got on the show and I played the character, I was always in wardrobe and they were teaching me all about clothing and I sort of became that character then I started getting into it myself and I started, my mom, what's wrong with your voice? Because I started talking like octaves higher when I would play the part. And then when I would come home, she'd be like, you're doing your Emma voice. You need to stop doing that fake voice. And because I would just, I would not be able to separate it. And it was odd. I totally get that. And I feel like we hear that a lot with actors in general, like separating your role from who you are as a person. But when you're a kid and like you're developing who you actually are, you're developing your identity alongside a fictional identity must be insane. It's so odd. It's so odd. Yeah. And I didn't realize, you know, when I would meet kids my age, you know, at parties or something, they would think I was that I was that character too. So that's why I became hard too, because they would treat me like that. So eventually you just become that identity almost. Yeah, it's odd. I, I'm fascinated in both the roles that we've talked about, Jesse and Cobra Kai. Who you are is really different than who the character is. And I always see acting as this like amazing opportunity to embody somebody else. But I wonder for you, if you have to have experienced like parts of that person in some way to be able to play them. Yeah, a lot of people have brought up that idea to me that, you know, someone has to have that in them. I guess so. I I sometimes think that the character that I play on Cobra Kai is how I talk to myself. Like that mean voice that I can have in my head of that's critical and judgmental. Like I'm not mean to, I never want to be mean to anyone else. 
but I love to be mean to myself. And I think that that voice is sometimes what that is. And I think that there are parts of, yeah, I think if you're able to play it, you've got to understand it at least in some way. I don't know if there's just a part of you that sometimes is that way. You know, I feel like people have so many sides to them when they're alone or then when they're with their best friends or when they're with their mom or their dad. Like even when my, I love watching people reunite with their parents, like my best friends, I, my, when I finally meet their parents and then I watch them become like the version of themselves that they are around, around their family. And I just think it's, it's so interesting to watch everyone shift. I am so curious to hear your thoughts on this because I feel like right now in entertainment, we're in a big moment of like the reboot, the spinoff, the part twos. I feel like everything I'm watching on TV right now is a reboot. Cobra Kai <laughs> is a spinoff of Karate Kid. And I would love to hear your thoughts on being in this era of spinoffs and reboots and how it's been to be a part of one. Yeah, I always forget that it is. <laughs> um because it's been so long. No, I to- by the way, I totally but, get that. And it has its own. My producer said something really cool the other day where she was like, the show just kicks up like nothing happens. Like it just it is. It is a sum- it assumes that the world has just continued on, which I think is really great. But I also think the show has its own identity. No, it, it definitely does. And the fan base from the original Karate Kid has been so accepting and so awesome and just the best people. I love running into them on the street. I love talking to them. I love doing Comic-Cons with the cast and and meeting everyone because they're hilarious and just, they keep it so real. I think they, they like that part of the show too, where it's like, they're not acting like, you know, Johnny had this great life after the All Valley in the 80s. He, you know, messed up. And I think it keeps it pretty real with like, these adults are not perfect. Sometimes they act like children, but you know, think that's a lot of adults can maybe see some of their own faults in these characters and you know why their relationships went wrong or why your rivalry from childhood just should end uh and it's it's not that serious but I mean the the creators John Josh and Hayden who created Cobra Kai they were the biggest Karate Kid fans and they were roommates in college so it's it's been a little while in in the making but I feel like there's a lot of like chatter on the internet about like the spinoffs, et cetera. But I think what's really like unique and cool about this, and I really appreciate the show, is it is its own story moving forward. And I don't know now. I mean, it's an it's a new story. It's not something that I feel like, I don't know. Are you watching Sex in the City right now? The reboot? Yeah. I can't watch it because I I saw all the hate online and I just didn't want to ruin it. But did, did you have you watched it? I have. I weirdly like I by the way, I was the same way. And then I watched the first episode and then I watched the second and then I realized I was sitting at my TV every Thursday night or Friday night waiting for the new episode and I was like, "Ah, here I am, fully sucked in watching the reboot." But it's interesting. There's just so like I totally agree with you. Like there is this mentality of people wanting to like preserve things as they are. I also you know, I let people, I, I like watching people age. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if that's what upset some people. You know, I think people were now kind of critical of like how people look at a certain age or like they want to romanticize youth. And that kind of upsets me. That's actually how I turned it on. My best friend said that exact sentiment to me, which was, you know, I think it's really important to watch the evolution of these people, like as people and- she was like, I'm actually really like feeling appreciative that we get to watch women 
later in life on screen right now. And she's like, I think that's really important to watch. And she was like, I would encourage you to watch it. And I was, I was touched that she said that. It made me turn it on and be like, okay, you know, I'm not going to like sit there and be like, this story needs to stay where it is when they're young and cool and hip and have great outfits. And by the way, like I'm still loving every single thing I just said about them on TV right now, later in life. And I think that's like important for a lot of people to see, especially in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And maybe because I'm on a reboot, I really don't judge them. Like I don't, I I don't hate on like the Gossip Girl reboot. You know, people are hating on it and not accepting of it. And I just remember that actors are people. And a lot of, I, I know some of the people on these reboots and these shows and they're so talented and they're just great humans. And I just don't, believe in hating on something before you even given it a shot, which I should, I, I don't know. I guess I'm saying that to myself too, but I, I just hate seeing those hate comments on the shows. I just don't understand why people, why people need to write that. It's intense. There's also, I saw um, HBO is releasing a Degrassi reboot. I don't know if you were a Degrassi kid, but I wonder how that's going to go down. <laughs> okay. I was a I watched Degrassi at friends' houses if it was on, but I remember thinking, whoa, this is intense for, you know, for me. I think I was a little bit young for, like, I, sh- I shouldn't have been watching Degrassi when I was. Nobody should have been deg- watching Degrassi when we were, <laughs> just so you know. Like, I used to, so I think I was like, so I grew up watching like episode by episode. I was a big fan and I would get in massive trouble every time I was caught watching it. And I would sit my parents down and I would say, mom, dad, Degrassi teaches me life skills. Like I'm learning precious life skills here. And sometimes it really got them. And sometimes there were some episodes where they were like, there are too many thongs in this episode. Like, no, like you're no. So I, I, you do not seem like a Degrassi watcher. Like if you asked me, I was, I I wouldn't have, I was. I was really loyal. I was really in it. I was a big Manny stan. Like, I loved Degrassi. I don't know. You know, what's also was super interesting during the time of Degrassi. Like, it wasn't a popular American show. Like, I don't know how I got to watch Degrassi, but I did. I loved it. Yeah, it was. Uh, they filmed it in Toronto, right? Yeah, no, it was fully a Canadian show. Like, it was not. Like, the thing during my time, like, everyone loved Skins. And I, like, didn't watch a single episode of that. I was a big Degrassi kid. Yep. But wow. they're doing a reboot, so... You think there's any Degrassi lessons that have uh, made it over into your life now? Oh my God, Peyton, that's a really tough question. <laughs> Putting me heavily on the spot. Oh God, I, you know, I'm, I think I'd have to do some like major soul searching for that. I don't know if you experience this as well, but like as I've gotten older, like there are little things in my life that pop up kind of randomly. And after I sit with them, I'm able to like tie them back to something that I watched like integrally as a kid. And I'm like, wow, that is truly crazy how life works like that. But I'm sure that there are a million things and a little, like a million ways that I act and things that I say that have to do with what I saw at Degrassi. <laughs> uh-uh. Yeah, I know. It was bad. It was bad. We'll be right back after the break. For all my ritual fans out there, I have a code for you. And if you are not taking an everyday multivitamin, here's why you should. Did you know that over 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet and 95% are not getting their daily recommended intake of key omega-3s? Those gaps in the diet should definitely not be ignored, which is why I love Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin every morning. It was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. It's formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. 
But Rachel didn't just stop there. They've now invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. The results? Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. The clinical study was published in a leading scientific journal called Frontiers in Nutrition, which is a really big deal and a serious commitment to a first-of-its-kind standard in the industry. Ritual is committed to third-party testing from USP and the non-GMO project, traceable and vegan-friendly ingredients, and always clear communication. No shady stuff and no things I just can't pronounce. It's because of that that I've completely pared down my vitamin routine. It's my all-in-one vitamin that lets me know my body is getting all the nutrients it needs. And right now, Ritual is offering you guys 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com backslash friend and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com backslash friend. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, let's talk a little bit about beauty because I know we've gotten into your acting, but now you're about to enter a totally new chapter of your career, which is incredibly exciting. You're about to launch Play Beauty. And I would love to hear what the inspiration for it was because you have millions of followers. You have an incredible acting career under your belt. You could have technically done anything. So what was it about beauty that you were like, I want to start a beauty brand? I mean, I've, I've always loved makeup and, and beauty. And I think growing up on set in the, in the makeup chair, I just learned how transformative it could be and how it could be that step that really takes you into a character. So that's really when I fell in love with it. And I just kind of noticed a void, I guess, in the clean beauty space where I didn't feel like there were products that were just super colorful and, and fun and experimental. And I just wanted to, to create that. And I've just had also besides that, I just had so much fun being a founder and working creatively and creating something of my own because I've never gotten to do that before. Yeah. I was telling you the other day when I had tried it and seen the product for the first time, I was like, there aren't a lot of cute, clean beauty brands out there that I feel like are for the extreme beauty level lever. Someone who loves to put on like a bold eye, a bold liner, something fun on their lips. I feel like clean beauty still has a little bit of this like very airy and eco-friendly energy to it. And I love that you're bringing so much color to that. Thanks. Yeah. I feel like it's, it should be clean and it should be eco-friendly, but still fun. Yeah. I feel like it it should be able to do both, which I think it's taken some time to develop with formulas. And, you know, I feel like I've had to push in, um, on a lot of different things, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a fun process. And you got to do a collab with Cobra Kai, which is so like, what a dream to be able to just merge all of your endeavors together. How did that come together? Yeah. I mean, I wear makeup on the show when I'm training or in the dojo. And I kind of thought the beauty world and, you know, those worlds haven't really come together before. Like, I feel like there's strength in makeup. And I feel like sometimes it gets looked at as this, it gets pushed to the side. Like I even notice on sets that people don't, I mean, maybe this is not a great thing to say, but I just feel like people don't respect the makeup profession as much as you know, they should, it's such an art. And I feel like it really adds so much to every character and every person. And I don't want it to be used necessarily as a mask, but as a tool. If you're, are you watching Euphoria right now? Uh, yes. The makeup artist for that show, Donnie Davey, she, you should follow her on Instagram because there is 
the storytelling that she's doing about makeup in comparison to what's going on in the show is magnificent. And if that's something that you like absolutely love, I know you'd get a lot of joy from like watching her stories. She even went as like detailed into in episode one, Sydney Sweeney's makeup. She had like the little diamonds around her eyes and it was very like light and soft. And then Alexa Demi had like a sharp winged liner. And the average viewer would see that as like, oh, cool makeup. But the point was like when they were together, it was light and dark and they were meant to contrast each other. So I totally agree with you that I think that that is something that it isn't part of the pop, like the general conversation we're talking about shows and how that comes to life. But it is a huge aspect of what we see on TV and what makes the scene. Yeah, no, exactly. I love that. And yeah, there is so much storytelling with it. And it, you know, we, we all come in in the morning looking so different than when we're out there on set and just every department really contributes so much. And yeah, there is so much storytelling with makeup. That's really cool. I am envious of how many hours you've spent in a makeup chair because I'm sure you've learned so many phenomenal tips and tricks. What's the best one that you've learned? I mean, I just learned how to do makeup for my face shape, which I noticed that people have, you know, definitely caught on to on TikTok. Like I've watched creators kind of make, they say, oh, this, if you have this face shape, then you should apply your blush here or like where exactly to apply. But I mean, I've gotten that for myself and like makeup artists have gone, oh, well you have like a rounder, more heart shaped face. So you should, you know, only contour like the top half of your face and you should go higher than most people with your blush so that it lifts. And, you know, they teach me what, I should do. It's, it's almost like when you're getting dressed and you're in wardrobe and they say, okay, you should wear, you know, flare jeans because you have long legs and, you know, like they just teach you what looks best on you and how to elongate or like how to work for yourself. But I think makeup artists have really, really taught me everything. If we are, it's launch day for play. What's the first thing that you recommend everybody get? What's your hero product? I say choose an eyeshadow palette because there's four different ones and each one has a very, uh, distinct theme. So I would go with that. But then our one-stop pop blush is my favorite. I just love the the color on the blush. So right now I have your eyeliner on and it's so soft. I have a really like tough time when things are kind of sticky to put put on and I have to like smudge them a little bit. It was probably one of the easiest eyeliners I've ever put on in my whole life. It was so smooth. I was able to do a wing so well. I'm like a pencil gal. Um, Liquid like is kind of messy for me, but it was so easy to put on that I feel like what I love about this brand is that like anyone can use it. Like I don't have to feel like I'm professional at makeup. Like it literally went on so simply. I was like, damn, I just did a really good cat eye. I'm going to leave my house now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I am so happy to hear that because everything you have said is exactly the messaging I'm trying to get across. And I, I just, I think the makeup world can be so intimidating. You know, that was how it felt for me when coming into it. And so I do like stick eyeliner. Yeah, it is. You know, be, I think because it is clean, it is just like more gentle and, and easy to easy to blend. But that was the goal. So I'm really happy to, to hear that. Love that. What is the best advice that you've ever received? Whether it's in acting, beauty, what's something that you carry with you every day? I think to be picky and just, you know, it's better to not be doing anything than to be doing something that goes against you and what you stand for. And that's taken me a long time. And I recently got this advice last season on Cobra Kai from someone. And I 
it has stuck with me since because I think I really do just need to be very, you know, to sit back now and, and not just take anything that comes my way and really, but like we were talking about, really plan. That was refreshingly honest. Because <laughs> I feel like, you know, I, I just don't think that that's, I don't think a lot of people feel empowered to do that, to really feel like they have the control over their life and know and be able to identify things that are good for them and things that are bad for them. And I think that's great advice because that's the quickest way to lose your sense of identity and who you are and what you want. A hundred percent. And the second you're picky is the second that all the right doors open. When you just close all the ones that are, that are wrong and just cut everything off. I mean, that's, I think that's happened to me with relationships. Like when I'm not, when I'm not sure if I should break it off. And then the second I do, everything makes sense or, you know, it just, there's been a lot of things like that. Peyton, I'm so glad that we had you on the show. It was really, really great to get to know you and hear your thoughts. And I'm just so excited for Play to come out. So thank you so much for taking the time oh, today to hang you. out with us. Well, thank you. It's it's nice because it's nice getting feedback on the products too yeah. and getting to talk about it. But I feel like I just talked to a, a friend for a while. So Good, I'm glad. I'm like, we went so off topic and we talked about so much, but it was so fun. And th- thank you for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.